Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and and welcome to a very special episode. We do this quarterly where we get Ben Laidler, our global market strategist, on with Josh and I. So we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But just before we we do get going, Josh, firstly, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, very well here. Sam, how are you? Very well. For those watching on on YouTube, you can see the the jersey Josh has got on. I absolutely love that. Um, Ben, as well, how are you doing? Yeah, good. I feel very underdressed, uh, but uh, <laughs> thanks for having me back. Yeah, I I, I regret not wearing uh, any Toro sponsored jersey actually as well, seeing as I, I have a few upstairs. Um, okay, let's get into it. Uh, I, I mentioned just there we 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 have this catch up every quarter where we focus on the latest retail investor beat. So Ben, just to to kick things off for those that don't know or those that just want a, a little bit of a refresher. Can you give a bit of a, an explanation about it all? I mean, there's few, few people on the planet that don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, those, um, those worrying people. So, so every three months, uh, we survey 10,000 retail investors um, in 13 countries around the world. So US, to Australia and, uh, and, and across Europe um, on what they're thinking about markets, uh, their investments, the world. Um, it's probably... Uh, the biggest and most regular tracker of retail investor views out there. Um, and given, I guess, just how more important retail investors have become over the last you know, few years, it's, it's clearly, you know, I think, a sort of critical viewpoint to, that everybody needs to understand. It's nice to know as retail investors that we are important. It's nice to know that. It's nice to hear that. Um, but yeah, look, let's get into the report. Let's delve into the details. Let's find out exactly what's going on in the mind of, of the retail investor. So the first subject that we want to cover today, it's going to be young investors. Um, first question, do Sam and I qualify? Sam, Ooh. do you want to do you want to tell the audience your age here? Well, people probably look at me and think with my looks, I'm 18. But no, I'm, I'm 31. And, and, <laughs> and Josh, how old are you? Well, uh, yeah, I'd probably go the other way. Probably pe- people probably do think I'm actually 15. Um, <laughs> but no, I am actually 27 years old. So do we do we qualify, Ben? Are we young investors? I think you're you're fine. Uh, I think Sam's getting a bit haggard. Oh, OK. Um, so the age He's cutoff cut- for the youngest of the four cohorts that we track is, is actually 34. Well, so okay. uh, so Sam's got sort of three more years. But, yeah. you know, I'm clinging on needs to watch out it's like the x factor category it was like the over 25s and now i'm i'm i can't do that anymore so that seems strange but anyway on to the report did we find anything interesting about young investors their investing views and their habits ben right so that sort of youngest cohort sort of 18 to 34 um is is a positive group right according to the survey um two things stand out they're the most risk tolerant as you look across, you know, what they own. Um, and um, they also have what sort of the one of the longest sort of, you know, viewpoints, right? Uh, you know, clearly they have 
sort of time on their side. They have a long time to, to, to retirement. They have a long time to sort of work out any volatility uh, that, that there is in markets. And so nearly a quarter of that sort of cohort said they actually became more bullish last year as, you know, as prices and valuations fell. And, you know, that's that, that's pretty heartening, right? I mean, if we think that the key to long-term investing is, you know, time in the market, not timing the market, and, and the secret sauce out there, as, you know, Warren Buffett keeps reminding us, is the sort of power of compounding, then, um, you know, that's that's great news for, for, for young investors. Yeah, I, I, that's my sort of favorite saying for long-term investing, time in the market beats timing the market. And I would to be in my early 20s again, so many things I would do differently. Uh, but uh, yeah, compounding is really the eighth wonder of the world. Um, okay, so younger crowd, younger investor crowd, I should say, covered there. Do we see many differences between the different age groups other than that? So basically risk tolerance declines mm. with age, I think is sort of the big takeaway. I mean, for example, um, you know, whilst nearly a quarter of those younger investors became more bullish uh, during the sell-off last year, only 6% of over 55s uh, did. You know, obviously, they're much closer to retirement. They have less time to sort of earn back the sort of losses of, of last year. Um, but even that, you know, is, is a sort of gross generalization. I mean, we, we might touch on it later, but, you know, that older cohort had, were pretty ab- aggressive buyers of crypto. Um, you know, according to the survey, you know, last last quarter, and that's obviously the highest risk, you know, asset class out there. So, um, you know, uh, just just be careful with your generalizations. Um, and then I guess I think a, a big part of the report that was probably one of the focuses I think that came from it was was the confidence side, um, and and just like how maybe a Premier League footballer needs some confidence to perform at the highest level. Um, and Mr. Darwin Nunes has none of that at the minute, which Sam will be very happy about. It can also be very beneficial, Ben, for investors to be confident about their portfolios and their outlooks. But the key question is, is how was investor confidence looking? Did 2022's bear market bring that confidence down, um, which I think many would probably think is is right? Or were they actually feeling a bit more confident about, you know, probably what is an improving macro macro picture? Yeah, I'm going to try and avoid the jumping down the sort of football analogy rabbit hole. Cause we'll be here forever. But, um, you know, a big takeaway is being just how resilient retail investors have been. Right. So over over, you know, two thirds, so 67 percent, their investing views were either unchanged last year in the sell off or they actually became more positive. Um, and, and again, I, I think this is a sort of big, broader takeaway. You know, if you think that retail investors have just become more important to markets uh, over the last few years, and here they are, sort of holding firm despite all that volatility. I think that's a very bullish sign uh, for you know for broader markets. One and two, it really flies in the face of this sort of narrative you sometimes see out there in the press, right? That retail investors are you know all short-term focused, all their sort of weak hands. Uh, in fact, you're seeing completely the opposite, right? That they're thinking in in terms of years or decades, um, and they've been this sort of very important. Um, you know, market anchor. So we actually saw confidence levels increase, um, you know, last quarter. Uh, and funnily enough, markets sort of stabilized, right, at, at, at the same time. And, you know, and the fundamental driver of that has just been less worries about uh, about inflation. We've obviously now seen six straight months of falling uh, inflation in the US. 
Um, just today, we've got our second falling month in the uh, in in the UK, and we've had two months in and we've had two months in Europe. So um, you know, this this has a sort of fundamental support to it as well. Yeah, the UK needs all the good news it can get, and I think yeah, the US was lowest since November twenty twenty one. I think I'll, I'll I'll check that before the end of the episode. Um, if we fast forward three months, I mean, Arsenal probably would have won the Premier League, but by the time the next retail investor beat comes out, do you think confidence, seeing as we're on that that subject, will continue to increase? I mean, it feels like markets are almost getting carried away but at the same time it does feel great seeing green across the board for many markets so will confidence increase or do we need to tread a little bit carefully at the moment yeah so you know markets obviously are off to you know a very strong start to the year basically you know the big losers of last year are now leading up so you know crypto is the best performing asset class this year tech stocks are doing well and last year's winners uh, you know, like the dollar, like commodities are, you know, definitely taking sort of more of a back seat mm. now. Now, I'm very comfortable with the direction of travel. Um, I just wouldn't extrapolate the pace. Right. This has been a very sort of big, fast start to the year. Um, you know, I'm very comfortable saying, though, that, you know, we're going to keep seeing a sort of gradual recovery, you know, through the year. Um, and because the drivers have really been very fundamental, right? We've continued to see these falls in U.S. inflation. Um, that's giving us visibility on the top of the interest Fed interest rate cycle. You know, China's now reopening. That's a huge insurance policy against the global recession, and these plunging natural gas prices in Europe, which are down you know eighty percent from peak levels, are, are really just helping sort of support this European outlook or delaying a recession that, that still may be coming. But, you know, the outlook is absolutely becoming less bad. And maybe that's how I would sort of categorize it. But that's all you need when markets are this depressed, when, you know, much of the sentiment out there in markets is this depressed. So, you know, very positive first step, but, you know, long way to go. Yeah, and markets have uh, markets have obviously reacted and, and taken that positive news and, and obviously ran with it. And, and you mentioned there, Ben, about... The, the sort of the dreaded recession um and in many parts of the world it seems that a recession is is potentially on the way we had obviously the world bank last week saying we're pretty much um on the on the tip of the iceberg with with a recession there and for many investors they would have foreseen this and potentially made changes to their portfolio accordingly um what were those changes has anything stuck out to you is there maybe a particular asset class um, that, that's really uh, held up or have we seen a bit of a move back to, to cash in that regard? Yeah, we definitely saw a sort of dash for cash uh, last last quarter. Um, you know, those allocating something to cash, you know, rose from, you know, 49% of investors to, to 69%. So pretty big move up. Um, I think there's two big drivers of that. I think one, um, you know, we had this big move up in interest rates. You know, you can cash clearly pays you more uh, than it, you know, the, the, than it used to. And secondly, I think investors are sort of stockpiling some money to take advantage of the opportunities that are, um, you know, that, that, that are increasing out there. Um, the other thing we saw, we saw what I think is a very natural move uh, into more sort of defensive sectors. So people staying invested, but maybe taking a little bit less, a uh, little bit less risk. So things like healthcare uh, and utilities which actually ended up being some of the best performing or least worst performing sectors, you know, in the market last uh, uh, last year. The other thing we saw, which I thought was very interesting, was just more diversification, um, which 
you know, it's, it's always a good thing. You know, more people looking at commodities, more people looking at currencies rather than just, you know, plain vanilla, uh, plain vanilla equities, for example. Yeah. For, for those out there, and I, I reckon between the three of us, we're probably in this camp that believe we've seen the bottom of the market. How, how, how do you think people will, will play this? Is it a case of booking profits, whether that be now or in, in a few weeks or months, or do they continue to dollar cost average or fade the move? Or as with many things in the investing world, it depends. <laughs> um, you know, clearly individual circumstances are sort of key and, and, and sort of trump everything. But uh, I do think we've probably seen the sort of bottom for global equity markets. Um, you know, as I said before, I think this inflation and interest rate shock, which drove markets uh, lower last year, is sort of easing this year. Uh, I also think, you know, technically you have, you have history on your side. Yeah. Um, the number of sort of back-to-back down years that you've seen historically, uh, you can basically count on two fingers, right? So, so it's rarer than you think. Um, but I do think, you know, this recovery will be reasonably gradual, right? It's going to be two steps forward, one step back. Um, inflation still, you know, very high. We have a long way to go till we get back to that sort of 2% level that central banks are, are, are targeting. And, you know, as Josh mentioned earlier, I mean, global recession risks are you know, still uncomfortably high, even though, you know, China's reopening and, and the sort of recent data out of Europe's, you know, looking less bad. So, you know, I guess I'll just go back to what I said at the beginning. You know, investors seem to have this sort of long-term plan, and I think they're right just to sort of stick with it, keep dollar cost averaging, stay invested, and, um, you know, markets will, um, uh, markets will come your way. And for those investors that have sort of stuck with it and have decided to to sort of dollar cost average, let's have a look at tech and 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 to see if they have really stayed faithful, right? Because for investors over the last you know decade, if they've been heavily weighted towards tech, it's it's quite likely that they would have been living the dream. Yeah, uh, looking at at their portfolios. Um, I mean, depending on obviously what tech you're buying, but um, I think you'd be probably smiling, but. If we look at the last 18 months, however, probably not so much. Um, but how are retail investors feeling about the sector, though? As we said, are they involved? Are they waiting? Are they staying invested with tech? Are they keeping the faith, Ben? It's a big question, right? Because if you add up, I mean, obviously, there are different flavors of tech, right? But if you add them sort of all up, it comes to something like 40% of, you know, US, over 40% US equities, a little bit under global equities, so if tech has another miserable year like it did last year, it's very difficult to think that global equity markets, you know, in aggregate are going to go up and, and vice versa. Right. If if um, if tech has a better time, then it's just going to drag global equities with it. Um, and what's interesting when you look through the data is just, um, you know, to, to, to your point, investors are sort of keeping the faith. Right. It even after tech was basically the worst performing sector out there last year, it's still the second best owned sector of the all the 11 sectors, you know, right now. And interestingly, when you when you look at the um, when you ask investors, what are they going to own next quarter, i.e. this quarter, tech goes back to number one. Um, and that's even more interesting when you look at what's led performance up this year, right, which has basically been sort of tech equities. So, um, you know, ju- ju- just very, very interesting. Um, and, and again, I think this is just another um, example of investors sort of taking the long view. I mean, remember, you know, two thirds of retail investors are holding positions for years. Only 4% are holding them for days. 
Um, and there's also this sort of generational split there. You know, 73% of young investors are bullish on tech. Uh, you know, that's a lot more than the sort of older, older cohorts. So, um, yes, there's, a, there's definitely, you know, keeping the faith. And, you know, that's been rewarded historically and, you know, early days this year, but it's been rewarded so far this year. Yeah, I re- reckon a lot of people who are heavily invested in tech are starting to check their portfolios again. Um, anything else interesting looking at those other asset classes? Well, crypto, dare I say it, um, you know, another asset class where retail investors have maybe you know been leading the way. Um, we saw investors buying the crypto sell-off over the last sort of, couple of quarters. You know, those owning crypto rose from 36% of total retail investors to 39. Um, and it's clearly worked this year, right? It's been the best performing asset class in the world this year. Again, early days, but Bitcoin's up something like 25%. Um, you know, obviously fell a lot last year, fell very out of favor. And now we're seeing these sort of macro risks, you know, whether inflation, whether it be, um, whether it be interest rates are easing off a little bit. And, and crypto has um, clearly responded to that. Um, interestingly, um, when you sort of peel that data a little bit more, um, the big change there is coming from older investors, as I said earlier, and but also female investors. Um, and, and I think this is really interesting because, you know, we probably talked before that, you know, the key to crypto doing well from here is given that it's pretty well owned by retail investors, institutional investors mm. coming into the market. And I think this is just a little bit of a reminder that maybe that sort of retail story um, has, you know, a little bit more juice to it, right? That it's not just about young retail investors. It's now female retail investors and older retail investors you know, beginning to sort of nibble at uh, crypto. And I definitely think that's been part of the rally we've seen so far this year. Yeah, it's really interesting that, you know, retail investors, as we say, are sort of having a, a, such a bigger role in markets, you know, nowadays than, than what we have ever done in, in history. Um, and and it's and it's it's great that we do this survey to sort of really find out you know, what's going on inside the mind of, of a retail investor and to, to really break it down. So, Ben, this is the part of the podcast today where we're going to give you the floor. We're going to give you 60 seconds and we want you to summarize the report using five key numbers that can help you out. So we're going to pass the microphone over to you. The floor is yours. Tell us. Limbered up, ready to go. Uh, Okay, so 50%. That's the increase in the number of investors holding cash uh, last quarter, whether to take advantage of higher interest rates or these opportunities in markets. That's one. Two, 69%. That's the, the this high proportion of investors that are still confident in their investment. So you know, keeping the faith. Thirdly, 40%. That's the number that actually increased their investments last quarter. So it's a, being contrarian, buying the dip. Uh, 33%. By contrast, those are the people that have been turning more cautious. And then finally, 59%. That's the proportion that are planning to own tech this quarter which would make it the best-owned sector um, of all in in markets. Gosh, 46 seconds. And this isn't your first rodeo, is it? Not the first rodeo, is it? (laughs) Keep going. Fantastic. Fantastic. Up the retail investor, by the way. Um, And it's great to see a good start to the year. We we did a podcast, I think it was just maybe two, three weeks ago, where we asked uh, a question, when was the last year that there wasn't an all-time high for the S&P? And I think it was 2012 or something like that. Um, and obviously, the reason people were talking about it is because we're so far off the all-time high right now. People are like, oh, well, we're not going to have one in, in 2023. I mean, the start we'd had 
who knows maybe it could be on the cards to save that um and it'd be so interesting in three months time to see where we are to see where people's feelings are uh as well but until then ben i'm sure you'll be on uh before when when josh is off to bali or or something like that living the dream uh although actually i'm off to bali soon so you have to step in for that as well i'll take recommendations josh um but uh, i hope you both have a good rest of the week josh ben thank you very much thank you sam thanks ben take care everyone you've been listening to digest and invest from etoro for more information visit etoro.com